Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, good to have you back. Uh, we missed you last week, but uh, back up and running again today. Um, talk about uh, yesterday a little bit, painful day in the market. Um, you know, yesterday's CPI print, it came in higher than expected and, and showed continued inflationary pressures in, in both housing and services. Um, you know, we've discussed uh, in the past on our podcast, given the lag, uh, lag effect that CPI housing costs will remain elevated through third and, and potentially through the, the fourth quarter as well. Um, what are your expectations for CPI going forward, and do you think there will be relief on the horizon for investors? Yeah, thanks, Dan. And, and the good news is, as we talked about in the past, CPI is fairly predictable. Again, like employment, it's the most lagging indicator. So at a minimum, we should know the direction it's headed, or at least the direction the subcomponents are headed. And while we came in modestly uh, above expectations in yesterday's print at 8.3%, none of it should have been a surprise, right? We knew that owner's equivalent rent or the implied housing cost, which can lag home prices by 12 to 18 months, is going to remain elevated into the fourth quarter or maybe through year end this year. And that came out in the data. We also knew that, that as you know, we have pent-up demand in and around services, that what was goods-led inflation was bleeding into services, and we've seen that as well. As we look forward, I do think we've seen the highest number we're going to see for CPI, unless, again, something changes. Uh, but we should be on a trajectory for CPI to fall about 100 basis points from here in the fourth quarter, another 100 basis points in the first quarter of uh, 2023. And then by the second quarter, you know, we could be sub two, or pardon me, sub 5%. And that's important because... Instead of this, as you know, the narrative around this wage price spiral, that's not a risk that's on the table. Wages aren't keeping pace with inflation. Real income is declining. Inflation at these levels causes its own recession and will snuff itself out. And that's what we're in the process of doing. So inflation's going to start to decelerate at a higher rate as we move into the first half of 2023. That should provide some relief. Now, whether the Fed pivots before um, CPI, core CPI, falls below the magic 2% level, uh, we'll wait and see. The fixed income market will certainly price that in. So if the Fed wants to keep being aggressive and hike through the fourth quarter, which quite frankly, I don't think they will. I think they'll see some cooling. I think we'll see enough damage in the economy. So we'll get our September hike. We may get a few more. We may bubble around this four and a quarter, 375 level, but it's probably going to imply that there's more inversion to the U.S. 10-year because what hasn't changed in all of this is the market signal that we got real problems in the economy and they're going to start to show up in the first and second quarter of next year. So I think things get better going forward. We just got to wait and see if something breaks. Good. Well, if we've reached peak inflation, I think that's good news to everybody. And, and yes, we'll certainly see. wait and see if something breaks. Um, talking about thinking breaking, yesterday's market sell-off, right? So that was you know, a bit counter to the narrative that the Fed would, would soon pivot and followed by a risk-on rally. Um, do you believe that the, ped, the Fed will pivot? And what are the preconditions necessary for the market to begin pricing in a Fed pivot? Yeah, so I think the market will price it in before the Fed actually does that. And that's not a dramatic statement. That's always the case. Um, I don't expect 
the Fed's rhetoric to pivot soon unless something breaks. So if we see a break in the liquidity for treasury markets or a break in capital markets such that they would have to stop QT, you will start to get that rhetoric that there's there's a pivot. What they really need to see is core inflation on a trajectory to end up below their target of 2%. And we're not going to see that until at the earliest, the end of the first quarter of, of 2023, but it may be the second quarter. Typically, the Fed waits until they reach that target. So what that would imply is core inflation below the Fed funds rate. I'm just skeptical they have that kind of time. So I would expect a pivot sooner than that. But I do not expect a Fed pivot in the near term unless something breaks. Barring something breaking, I don't think we should see a big shift in Fed rhetoric or Fed actions. And we've had the, the debate um in, in kind of in the in the media world where you're hearing you know hard landing soft landing right this just continues to to play out in the financial press you know it's it's fair to suggest um, you know whether or not the economy experiences a hard landing it may not be as relevant as what happens to earnings right over the next uh, yep. you know several quarters so you know, couple that with what you've said early um, you know previously that earnings estimates are still too high you know wh- what's your assessment of the earnings outlook and, and market valuation yeah so I, let let's set the stage a little bit. So in 2019, the S&P earned about $163 a share. Um, and then let's kind of skip over 2020 because it was heavily influenced with COVID and stimulus. And then we jumped in 21 to 208 a share and estimates for 22 were 226 and 23 or 243 and 24 or 260. Again, just this linear extrapolation, no recognition that we over-earned during COVID, that the stimulus and the PPP loans flowed through corporate revenues, and they did so without any corresponding wage expense. It was just a free transfer of money. And so margins are bloated, and we know that. So rather than trying to estimate what that is, let's just go back to 2019 and say, let's just extrapolate... 2019's earnings to get what trend earnings would be in 22 and 23. And I think those numbers are much closer to, you know, 195 for 2022 and and 205 for 2023. And that's ignoring the issues that we know exist out there as far as an energy crisis or anything like that or issues within credit markets. So if we use trend line earnings, and I think it's reasonable for the market to look through near-term downside earnings, I think we're still trading at 20 times 2022 trend line earnings. And we're trading at probably 19 and a half times 2023 trend line earnings. Now, that's not an inexpensive market. It, in my mind, is still a fully valued market. And so it does mean we have, I think, more asymmetric risk to the downside than the upside from here. If we look at what an earnings recession would be, and by earnings recession, I mean normalization of margins and the excess earnings from the COVID stimulus, along with the recessionary impact of rising credit costs and defaults and layoffs and all of those things, I think earnings would be much closer in 20. 2023 on a run rate of about $150. Um, And we're at 26 times that. So again, I think we're in a market that's relatively fully valued um, and there's not a lot of downside. And I think what the market is trying to do is despite all the volatility that we've experienced and the continued increased bearishness, 
Since the May lows, the market has been trying to correct with time, meaning it's really been trading sideways off those lows. It's bounced off those lows. You can look at it across multiple sectors, whether it's the consumer discretionary sector, the banking sector, technology, even where a lot of the bubble was. Like If you look at the ARK Innovation Fund, it's doing the same thing. So we're trying to correct with time. What will allow us to do that is sufficient liquidity so that people don't need to go out and sell securities, and that can create a reflexive sell-off, and or nothing breaking. If we see a break in credit markets, that's going to be a problem. So the good news is the market's trying to correct with time, and and we're at a reasonable valuation. If we can end up at sub-3% rates in the future, then we can mark time for a year, and then we could start to move higher. Unfortunately, and, and my greater concern is there are things that can break. And the longer we stay at these unsustainable levels of interest costs, and as long as the energy crisis is set to probably worsen over the next 12 months, doesn't mean we're not going to see peak issues in Europe this winter. We probably will. But in the aggregate, that's set to worsen. It does mean there is a long window here for something to break. So I think investors just need to bear, be aware of it. I think if I was trying to play it and the way we're thinking about it in our own portfolios is the early cycle industries, so think housing, think consumer cyclicals, think short cycle industrials, these companies, their estimates and their expectations and their sentiment are probably going to wash out in Q1 of 23. Does that mean they bought them in Q4? It depends. It depends on where the earning warnings are. It depends on whether we give guidance at the end of Q4. Do we wait and do it at the end of Q1? But within that first half of, of 2023, they should start to bottom unless things get out of, out of control because of something breaking. So you're going to start to see rolling bottoms as we move through the next two quarters, and we're going to play it accordingly, right? We've already identified those early cycles and companies we want to own. We'll start adding to those and start building those positions in kind of that peak bearishness. And for those that are, you know, hiding out in defensive areas, they're going to start to be a source of funds as we move through uh, peak bearishness in these early cycles. So you don't want to overstay your welcome there. Well, I think it's great. Uh, it's a couple of things to keep an eye on, especially if, you know, how we end up correcting through. Is it through time? Is it through price? What breaks? If we hold on, is there liquidity? So um, great. Let's wrap it up there for today. And thank you very much. We'll, we'll have you here soon. Sounds good, Dan. Thanks. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission 
and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.